the delay. I've been on the road since a little before seven. You could not get out of Hampton Road, I mean out of Virginia Beach this morning. I went from east to west. Uh, and I'll tell you, if there was ever a need for light rail, it is not get out of the interstate. So, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the resumption of uh, the CTV March uh, April workshop. Uh, where our plans are today, we will go through the, uh, the last bit of the uh, workshop, and then we will go into our formal session for public comment. would like to say, uh, Mr. Malman's not here yet because he lives further out than I do. I'm expecting him coming in. Thank him for hospitality. Uh, sorry for a little bit of confusion last night and leaving, but I uh, uh, had, had some other things there. But I hope everybody had a good time. Uh, and uh, with that, we will now resume the meeting. Mr. Lawson, uh, you are up this morning on the six year hey, Good morning, Mr. Secretary, members of the board. Uh, I spoke with you last month about uh, kind of the outlook for the, the six-year program and, and, the, and the draft. Um, before you, you have the, the summary reports um, from the for the program, and you have the full program and provides to you in, in, in a thumb drive um, versus carrying around two rings of paper. As we as I talked last month, this program is is a very, I call it. I, won't, I don't want to minimize it by saying it's a simple program, but it's an uneventful program in, in that it is um, just moving ahead. The, the, the what we have been doing for, in preparing for HB2 uh, prioritization, as well as the funding that will be coming from uh, the, the new formula in 1887. Uh, this program, the, the, 20, the FY16 to 21 Six Improvement Program. Uh, totals $12.9 billion. Um, from a, a highway construction side, it's, it's, uh, it's just it's $9.5 billion. It includes 3,000 projects, um, and it also includes about $600 million worth of funding from external entities that are not part of um, the VDOT budget. Looking at the, the, the full program uh, in, a, in a comparison, you'll see that it is slightly smaller than the last couple programs. And, and really the, the reason for the, the, the shrinkage you see here is the kind of the reflection of the, the newer revenue forecasts, which were, were higher back in 14 when we were first looking at um, the new revenues related to 2313 as well as just some changes in the bond programs um, as they are working their way through the, uh, the planned use of the bond proceeds. This just shows you the, the comparison um, on the highway side of the program. And you can see that just, just very small changes uh, really reflective of the, the dropping of, of one year and the addition of, of the next. A few statistics. And, uh, these numbers Look, looks bigger really than they are, um, and, and they really are uh, many of the, the actions that you see here you've already seen. Um, this is a comparison of the revised program to this program. So even all, all the transfers and any actions that you have taken since the adoption of the revised program are included in these statistics. There was an addition of 133 projects 
all of which are H-2 exempt. Um, there were 350 projects that have either been removed, had been removed from the program, either because they were completed or canceled. And then you can see here some additional statistics in terms of projects that have received an increased allocation um, or received a decreased allocation. Um, there are 100 projects, roughly 100 projects, for which transfers have been done on that, that comes to you each month since the revised program. So as you can see, the numbers here are uh, really reflective of many things that have happened to, to date. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this, this really is the kind of transition. You heard uh, Secretary, Deputy Secretary Donahue talk yesterday um, about HB2 and HB 1887 and how we are um, working the prioritization process, kind of getting it staged and set up to support um, the, the distribution of these monies and the monies through 1887 um, in the next program, the 17 program. Just as a reminder, uh, there is a $165 million reduction in the revenues that were expected in the 15 through 20 session, um, period. I mentioned that to you last month. Uh, this is just the, uh, not that we have less revenue that we, than we uh, were getting, it's that the forecasted revenues are, are not as, as uh, rosy as were expected. Uh, and there is also an increase here of $400 million in bonds that would be dedicated to the Route 58 program. Again, um, this was something that was legislated a session or two ago to help finalize the, the corridor, 58 corridor. This is just a reminder slide from, from um, last month, just showing the, the total <coughs> of uh, revenues that are provided through, through the six-year financial plan. Uh, just shy of $33 billion. Uh, I do want to highlight here, you see the red line, federal revenue. Uh, we are very dependent upon the federal revenues to support the transportation program. Uh, about seven, just shy of 20% of the total budget is federal revenue. When you look at the capital side of the program, it, it's about 40% of the total program. Uh, sure. Yeah, Mr. Lawson, on the federal revenues, are you, is the assumption of uh, a static revenue source from current situation? Yeah, Mr. Secretary, Mr. Gazinski, that's exactly what we have done. We have taken the, the position that um, we have no growth, an completely flat revenue forecast from the federal perspective. You know, we, we are eagerly watching as MAP 21 will expire at the end of May. Um, whether or not action takes place that will sustain it as it is, whether it, um, it, it could fall precipitously if nothing is done, uh, and hopefully that, that there will be some action made that will increase it. Um, in either case, we'll have to react um, if there's anything different than you know, what we've anticipated. Thank you. Just follow up to that. Yesterday, while uh, you were down taking the tour, uh, I was in D.C. <coughs> we were briefing our congressional delegation on this very matter and the impacts to Virginia. Um, uh, Mr. Lawson said, uh, our projections are that we will continue where we are. Um, uh, there is, uh, the president did put out a plan, while I won't say we agree with everything, it did 
accomplished the three things that we've always said in the plan for the federal government. It was sustainable, it included multimodal options, and it had growth in it. How they choose to do that, I'm sure will be a lot of political theater, uh, but that was our main, in the state of Virginia, this was our main ask of our congressional delegation, to get the funding in place because of these projects and whether we're working with HR TAC here or Northern Virginia with 66, knowing what our federal partners are going to be, these projects take years to plan and construct. The other thing I'll point out, I told them we were not curtailing our expenditures. Other states have announced that they're slowing down because of this impending insolvency. I told them that from our position, uh, you can only stop once. We're starting construction season now, starting with stopping, very expensive. But it was their job to make sure we didn't have to stop. That's the position of Virginia. Uh, and uh, I think they understand, but I can also tell you there is no consensus on whether or not uh, this will get done. My, my best guess is they'll do what they've done since 2008, do some interim provision, uh, you know, hoping they can reach a plan later. The one thing I did here differently yesterday, the other ask we had was on the Port of Virginia, widening and deepening the channel, uh, which would give us not only the ability for both, as we heard about yesterday, uh, our military presence and our force presence as it grows. Also, would help the Crimean the development of that. I did hear that they were potentially going to combine those two things: funding for infrastructure of the port and the federal, not just here in Virginia but elsewhere, and some part. In other words, working together uh, as to coming up to fund infrastructure. That's the only thing I heard do. I will tell you that a lot of the conversation on the uh, Republicans, particularly from the members of the House, was uh, they consider the dire financial situation of the Commonwealth, of the, of the, of the, of the, uh, of the nation. Therefore, their message was to expect less revenues out of Washington. I hope that's not the case, but that was what we continually heard from the conservative side of the delegation. Of course, hopefully other things will happen. But that's where it stands. Do, do we know, Mr. Chairman, for a fact, do they subsidize the trust fund? Are they putting more in than we're taking in federal gas taxes? The state of Virginia is a donor state. I mean, the federal government, their balance sheet, are they putting out more oh, yes. in other than, words, than they're taking in? That's correct. In other words, about 10 to 12 billion a year, I think it's in that level, but maybe 15 billion a year. Uh, and that's been that way since 2008, and they have supplemented that. Uh, by general fund appropriations. Uh, and the gas tax federal level has been raised since 1993. Now, I think our testimony is it's going to have to take, like Virginia, a multifaceted approach. But it's not prescriptive. We shouldn't be prescriptive to how to do the job. What, you know, but I do believe it's the core function of government. But it needs to have some growth in it, uh, and multimodal. That's what we pointed out. Uh, but you know, what we most often hear, Mr. Williams, is there's going to be some grand bargain related to uh, restructuring of the tax code, whether it's ex you know, repatriation of foreign earnings, that's what's most commonly talked about. There seems to be some coalescing, but here we are at the, almost in the, well, the middle of May, I mean, middle of April, and there is no, there's no deal. So, but uh, we're not going to be improved. 
Uh, we knew Mr. Kilpatrick made the right decision last year. We didn't slow down. We ended up getting additional bonuses. Because if other states slow down, that leaves money on the table. Uh, but, you know, we, we you know, we, there may reach a point that we have to curtail our construction program. We think it's probably sometimes 60 to 90 days in the future once we know things are curtailed. But it will impact the long form process in the Commonwealth. It will have to redo the six-year plan if, in fact, it is curtailed. And this is just kind of a reminder of, of uh, the strategy uh, I shared with you last last month that were used to develop the program. Um, again, we are really setting the stage for HB2 in 1887, not adding any new projects that would be subject to privatization. Um, we, we are, there was some discussion yesterday, continuing to use the CTD formula um, that through 2020, uh, the, the amounts through the formula are, are being held at the kind of in, in total to the amount that was in the last year program. So we're not fully utilizing the up to 500, but we're, we're kind of holding it where it, where it was. We, as we work through the projects, uh, we obviously have to fund the deficits under underway projects. Um, there is support in the current program consistent with the, the prior uh, revised 15 through 20 program for the Appalachian development for the Q program um, that remains, as well as we have tried our best to redirect any inactive balances to, to um, maximize or, or minimize the impact of funds set aside uh, to be used through the HB2 prioritization. One thing I mentioned to you last month was uh, we felt that there was a need to take a close look at the revenue sharing program. Uh, again, in the spirit of trying to make sure we are getting as much money um, back to the, 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 dis the districts to, um, to be used through these new grant programs, uh, whether it be statewide or district grant program, we, we needed to take a, a closer look at the amount of funds that are being taken really off the top before we, we begin that, that computation. Uh, as you recall, the, the revenue sharing program grew significantly back in the, the late 2000s as the, the funds available for formula distribution were, were, were dwindling. Uh, in, in 2007, it was, you know, looking back over the last kind of 10 years, in 2007, the revenue sharing program um, was provided $15 million in state funds. Last year, in 2015, $185 million in, in state funds. So you can see it was a tremendous growth in that program. Looking over the last 10 years, $750 million of funding had been provided to the revenue sharing program. But what we found is that only just shy of a third of that has actually been spent. Projects tend to be slow to, to mature and to move along. So as we looked at that and contemplated um, kind of where we go from here, uh, we, we felt that it was appropriate to try to scale back the revenue sharing program and do it over time, over the, the life of the program. So what you can see here at the bottom of the slide is kind of holding the current year, or 16, the next, next year at the same 185, and then scaling it back in 17, in 18 and 19 being at 100, and then 20 and 21 back to a, a level of about $50 million. And John, this, uh, so it's clear to everyone, this is 
the state contributions, the revenue sharing program, so the total value is, is at least twice that. Correct. Yeah, a couple comments on this. Uh, this proves dramatically as revenues uh, through the formulas dropped. That is where there was no, it was, yeah, this was the only pot of money that localities could really get money from, other than directed by the CTP. Um, second of all, as Mr. Lawson pointed out, uh, it doesn't appear to be extremely efficient because they're not spending money. You know, we give it to them and then only about a third are actually being spent on projects. So as we increase under House Bill 1887, more money going to the districts uh, that could be spent, then we commensurate with that looking at this program so that they match. But it grew so much because it was the only way they could access funds. So trying to make sure we're responsible with it. Uh, just tell I know you asked yesterday how we're going to taper in these things. This is one aspect of how we taper it in. As direct money to districts go up, then they should not need these monies as much as they've had in the past. And in fact, I don't know if they got spent anyway. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Mr. Cole. For what period of time are the uh, obligated funds obligated? Yeah. Mr. Lawson, you have a, I, I think they're obligated uh, until they decide not to use them. Yeah, and, and there is, Jennifer is here, but I can reach back to her. There is some provisions that if monies aren't used, that they can be. As I recall, in your presentation on that, you let us know which projects right. are subject to the allocation. Right. What what percentage of the seven hundred and fifty million do you think have been deallocated since two thousand six? It's been very very small. Yeah. We um, we've done deallocation for on our fourth cycle deallocation. The first year we put back on at twenty million dollars Well, but then does that indicate that the funds are used, they're just not used as timely as we want? I, I believe that is the answer. I mean, I believe you're correct. It's just very slow. So I, I mean, I think yeah. the statement that they're, they're not being used is really not exactly true. Is it? They are being used, they're just not used timely. Well, yes, but also, uh, just like we saw other folks, saving up to get other, other budgets. In other words, where we're now we're putting in a program where the money's going to make, they don't have to be contingent, we get the work done. Right. And then plus, right, they were using these money for state of good repair, remember, uh, and now they no longer have to. You know, because state of good repair will be taken care of <coughs> in the program by DOJ. Yes. Okay. Mr. Chairman. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, have you, have you shared this information with uh, districts or uh, metropolitan planning organizations? It, it is just being shared to you today. Okay. We ought to have some alternative messaging, like we're going to do this. We're getting ready to remember, we're getting ready to enter all our public hearings around the state. Right. So but we will, about the other available funds, we can go to these. Yeah. I can't, they count on these a lot. You're exactly right. It is. You know, going back to where they had dependable money. Okay. And I don't know, you know, there was a fairly large, you know, you have, the most you get is 10 million, and, and there were a lot of large users. 
you know, it tended to be not evenly across, but there were just some people who couldn't come up with the match. So it utilized, but it was it did favor those. You know, if you had money, you had it. It's sort of like a bank loan. You only want to loan the money when you when you don't need it. <laughs> you go to a place to see the money. That's sort of the match. Sorry, because I know you're a banker, but. Typically, that's part time. Yeah, when you don't need it. But your good point, Mr. Connors, uh, I think that's, uh, we will. That's what we're explaining as to why we're matching it with the others. I mentioned earlier that we were continuing to use the, the CTD formula. Um, and during the period of 16 through 20, um, as, as uh, Mr. Donahue mentioned yesterday, that, that is this kind of this transition window when funds that are um, not programmed to projects uh, would then be used to uh, or shared 50-50 with the, the high priority pro projects program and the district grant program. So what you'll see is that we have began to distribute monies, um, the excess in the 50-50 category, and I'll show that to you in a moment, as well as the funds that are um, being have been held for HB2 purposes. I won't I won't go through this again, but you know, really in 2021, it's, it's when 1887 begins. Uh, Mr. spoke to, to this yesterday. But 45% uh, goes to state of good repair. 27.5% will go to high priority projects program, and and the remaining 27.5% will be programs um, through the district. Uh, highway Construction District Grant Program. Both of the the, the, the latter two will be pro uh, projects selected through the HB2 process. We did, in, in having to go through the program, have to uh, reach into the $416 million that we had previously reported that was being held for HB2. Uh, we, in going through and working the program, we found uh, a few safety projects that we had intended to use um, federal HSEP funds on, Highway Safety Improvement Program funds on, that were um, later determined to not be eligible for those funds. So we had to find other monies um, to provide for, to fund those projects. And uh, the Chief Engineer is, is, is uh, looking hard at, at how to best use that um, the $66 million in, in high priority or the Highway Safety Improvement monies um, on for safety purposes of, you know, across the Commonwealth. And we, uh, in a future meeting, we're going to come back to you with a, uh, a bigger uh, discussion about the HSIT program, the Highway Safety Improvement Program. It's a federal program that we receive funds. Um, it applies to things as small as a, as a as signage or a traffic light up to uh, shoulder improvements, improving curves, all different types of safety countermeasures. And we'll be coming back to you with how we administer that program because it's a great program for us. Uh, we're also, frankly, looking at some uh, high uh, uh, state priority corridors for quarter-wide improvements under that program. But again, we'll bring that back to you in, in, uh, in future meetings. Uh, and I guess this was just a full disclosure. One of the major projects was Route 220 that uh, we have put the not safety monies on them to continue with the project, uh, but there was some um, determination and some safety monies that more than was allowed. So anyway, that's what the major project here 
The monies are all there, just a different color of the money. We switch the monies around. The other thirty million dollar reduction uh, really is just a brought about by uh, the reduced Garvey capacity in, in, in fiscal years uh, eighteen and nineteen. Uh, we redo the Garvey computation every year to determine what the capacity is, and just based on um, interest rate changes, uh, we had a reduction in, in the Garvey capacity looking outward. Across the, uh, the program for 16 through 2021, after uh, all is said and done, there's uh, $785 million that it will be available for uh, to support funding for, through HB2. This is a little small, uh, hopefully you can read it better at, at your desk, but what, what you can see here is, is the distribution of that $785 million. Uh, you see the, see the 319 at the top that was reserved from the, the, the prior program. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier this, this transitional window where we take the uh, additional revenues that are available and distribute it 50-50 for um, a high priority and district grant, and you can see that that between 18 and, and 20, total of $104 million. And then when you, we look at the new monies available in 2021, $361 million um, for, a, for a total of 785. And you can see at the, the bottom two lines just show how those funds now translate the 50-50 into funds available for the district grant as well as the hot project projects program. This chart just shows you the, the distribution of, of those monies based on uh, the, the each district, the district grant program. Uh, you can see the, and these are the percentages you've seen before uh, based on the, the current uh, formula that is used for the primary, secondary, and urban that was, well, I shouldn't say current, the old formula uh, factors that were used to determine primary, secondary, and urban distributions. And I wonder, this is an uh, important part. This was a uh, big component of getting uh, House Bill 1887. So we're going to actually uh, update the sheets given to lawmakers so that they can see exactly uh, what we projected they would get. Of course, I think this is actually a little bit more uh, than uh, each district would be getting. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I, just, uh, I, I think this is an important thing for each of the districts to understand, because I'm sure we'll be getting questions on it. Once again, would you explain to me how we come up with the percentages here? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, well, go ahead, John. What's your the, in, in developing the, the uh, 1887, the distribution for the district grant program was, was, based, was built off the same factors. Thank God included those in here this time. Um, based off the same factors that were used for uh, the primary, secondary, and urban computation uh, under the previous formula. Uh, it, it was detailed in my, my presentation last month. Um, it's a combination, and I don't recall all the percentages now, but it's a combination of DMT and lane miles on the primary system, um, secondary area, and, and population, and then for the, the urban areas, it's, it's purely based off of um, population. 
So it's a emerging of those factors okay. in the same proportions that they were under the old formula. It's purely a mathematical. Yes, it's purely purely mathematical. Mathematical. it was on the screen yesterday during House Bill 2, right. factors. Right. This is something, I think it was, uh, was Secretary Watts that this came in under the formula. Mm -hmm. It's been well accepted by the legislature because it's still uh, adjusting depending on population mm -hmm. and land. And so they were very comfortable. If there would have been money going through the old formula, this would have been how it would have run through. And I think this is the important message that we need to take back to our districts uh, to get people from being excited about all this. Yes, that's correct. And I think that's one of the things we'll point because there were no money going to the districts under the old formula. Uh, this slide shows an, an, an illustration of how the state of good repair funds would be distributed in 2021. Uh, again, these, these percentages are based on uh, the needs of, of each of the areas, and, and these are the needs as, as seen today, and, and these numbers obviously may be different by the time we get to 2021. Um, as part of the, the legislation, no district can receive more than 17.5%, and no district can receive less than 5.5%. And you can see that all the districts fall within within those bounds. Now, there is one exception to that. If there was a major catastrophe across the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth Transportation Board has the ability, for instance, if a major bridge fell like they had in West somewhere, and we needed to use substantial money to emergency repairs, you have the ability to override this one. But other than that, it's uh, adjusted by VDOT. And again, there's a floor on it. Now, I would hope someday, we, you got to make it on the board, I will be, someday in the next decade or so, uh, we may need to take a look at this because we are now catching up the state of good repair. It may be that we don't need to put 45% there, I mean, in the future, but that's a discussion for another day. For the foreseeable future, this will bend that curve of where we were falling off the cliff, getting all the districts back up to the minimum standards that we had uh, set as a board. Secretary, that, that concludes the, the highway portion of the presentation, and uh, I'll turn it over to Mr. Pitter. Before Mr. Lawson, Mr. Lawson, I know the professor wasn't going to do it, but I can't. <laughs> I got one, one question. If you look at um, in the Culpeper District, this is a comparison. If you look at the uh, CTB, where it says primary CTB formula, high priority state. Is that, is that the 29, page 14? Yeah, that, 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 that is the total fund amount of that type of funding. Part of it is, is on 29. Okay. And if you look at the, at the, at the Salem District uh, under the interstate, for example, formula, there's no... Um, uh, high priority funding, and what I think we've done is in the columns we've listed. If you get high priority funding, you are listed out, and it goes over to a total. But if you if you're not getting it, it's not shown in this summary. And and to me, I, I mean, it, it'd be easier for me instead of having to go back and forth between just to say high priority funding for Salem District for Interstate zero 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 on the six-year plan, just so I can see where, where the high-priority fund is going. You made a very good point. One of the things we're going through that Mr. Lawson is leading this effort, I mean, 
uh, highway funding dedicated to fixed guideway projects, um, $220 million. So uh, they increased last year. That's what that really resulted from. And then obviously this year uh, we have the uh, increase from HB 1887, which uh, dedicated some funding uh, from other modes, as the Deputy Secretary said yesterday, to uh, transit capital. Um, I also do want to mention here that as we go forward, I think it's important to realize that in the future years, the uh, uh, transit funding um, will decline as we get to the end of the bond program. So it's, I would anticipate next year and the year after that as you're taking that six-year snapshot and putting it on this chart, uh, the public transit line will actually decline to some degree. So I want to take those totals and then just talk briefly about the transit and the rail programs uh, separately. Um, and this slide just takes those totals and breaks them down by the programs within uh, transit. And obviously you have the operating program, which uh, has a fairly uh, consistent uh, allocation base here, which is just the normal increase in those underlying revenues. Uh, I'm going to jump down and talk about the other um, line here, which is our special programs and our transportation demand management program. And what I wanted to note here, and I said this last month, uh, when you look at 17, there is an increase, which in the grand scheme of dollars, it's not a large amount, $2 million a year. Uh, but for these programs, for the transportation <coughs> demand management programs, it's very significant. And it, it's a result of uh, HB 1887. Uh, there was a, a slight uptick there to uh, try to put more money into the TDM program. And finally, on the slide, I think I just want to mention with the capital funding, uh, as I said on the previous chart, get to the out years, it's declining. Um, there is a bump for next year from HB 1887. That's when it's It's about $40 million a year that's going um, in in 2017. And then when you see 18 and 19, you might be wondering why it's higher. And that's that's that fixed guideway funding from highways. That's the timing of it is mostly centered in 18 and 19. Uh, the next slide, uh, this is a 10-year look at our operate, transit operating funding, and what it shows is, uh, you know, we, for a long time, uh, we had funded around 20%, and then we got into 08, uh, 09, when we had the uh, financial crisis, our revenues declined significantly, and uh, we were actually, we were headed down to around 10%. Um, but we've gotten a lot of different funding sources over the years, so we're back steadily around that 20% mark, which is sort of internally uh, what we've always pushed to try to make. So uh, we were able to hold to that this year, um, even though the operating revenues did decline slightly. Um, we had thought it was going to be about a 10% decrease. It ended up being about 3%. The next slide, uh, this is echoing what the Deputy Secretary uh, said yesterday that uh, we did get funding for transit capital in 1887, um, and the main point here is a lot of a lot of lines here on this chart, but really focusing you on the blue area is uh, what 1887 filled in uh, for the transit capital gap, and 
The green is, so we appreciate the new funding. Uh, thanks to the governor, the General Assembly for that. But we would be remiss if we didn't say that there's still an issue that over the coming years we'll have to take a look at. And I know one of the items that's out there is possibly looking at the reauthorization of, of bonding capacity down the road. And uh, the next slide uh, is essentially just uh, letting you all know that we were, we did have available revenues to meet the uh, projected uh, tier percentages that uh, the CTB uh, had adopted. And uh, so all our projects that fell into these different tiers, we were able to fund with a state match at these rates, 68% for rolling stock, 34% for infrastructure, and then 17% for those other items. Uh, landscaping, etc. And the next slide uh, really just is highlighting some of the major projects. Uh, I'm probably not going to read this entire list. You know, you all heard about a lot of them the last meeting. We had the BRT, GRTC, Bus Rapid Transit Project. Um, I will say we did increase the number of projects that uh, are going to be funded with multi-year funding agreements this year. Um, that was one way we were able to make those tier percentages is we did have to take a few projects and push some of the timing of them out a little bit. And next I want to talk about the rail programs and I guess here the, the main point on this slide uh, that I want to leave you all with is the these are allocations and the allocations are up for the rail program, about $65 million. Um, and the reason I bring that up is that, as Deputy Secretary Donahue said yesterday, uh, rail, the enhancement program, is losing one-third of its funding beginning in 17. Um, that's about $9 million a year. So just wanted to make that point that although the funding might be down, the allocations are up, which is part of the effort internally for us to better utilize the funds. Um, but it also, I think, gets to that for a long time the enhancement program was sort of supplementing a passenger rail program. And back when we did uh, 20, HB 2313, the passenger program actually got a dedicated source of funding. And I guess this actually the increase is a $67 million increase. Uh, we are focusing as far as projects on the uh, passenger corridors of I-95, the Route 29 corridor, uh, which would also be the Roanoke Extension, uh, the second Lynchburg train, and I think also in the program is the second train from Norfolk. Uh, there are new freight rail projects in the Rail Enhancement Fund uh, program. And the Elston Intermodal Facility, we took that funding because that project's still uh, subject of debate. We did take the funding and push it out to the out year. So it's still in the program, but uh, we're trying to work through the timing of when it actually will occur. Um, and I mentioned the $9 million. Uh, I think to go along with that thought, you know, I want to leave that as far as review of our applications, uh, that review followed the same course it has in past years. So because we didn't have a reduction in revenue and then we changed the way we were looking at applications to not fund projects, we, we handled that in a similar manner. You know, in the past, we've had projects that didn't get approved for funding. We have projects that 
we asked for a higher participation. We had projects where the allocations were pushed out the, the years that those allocations were in. And finally, as uh, y'all are aware, um, the agency uh, is working with a subcommittee of, of members of the board uh, on an initiative to take a look at the enhancement program. Um, so that's going to be ongoing. I think a report is due in November. And finally, I just wanted to bring up a few items that uh, we still need to get accomplished between the draft and the final program. And I guess the first is, you know, with the new transit uh, allocation process that was implemented two years ago, there was a reserve uh, balance, uh, and the, the cap on that was set at $10 million. Uh, today, I think there's about $6.8 million in that reserve. So as I mentioned earlier, we are down slightly on operating funding last year compared to this year. So over the next 30 days and during the hearings, we, we need to hear, do we want to use some of the reserve to take that operating funding up? Uh, do we want to leave the reserve at the 6.8? Or do we want to potentially try to add to the reserve to get to the cap? So there's a decision there that has to be made. Um, also, we've rolled on obligated balances. Uh, into the program through December 31st. We're going to take the updated information through March 31 and roll that information in, uh, that those balances in, uh, which potentially could add to that operating funding um, gap that we talked about. Chair, uh, Steve, when you talk about the operating funds uh, being slightly off the projection, uh, have you identified that being a short-term situation as opposed to a trend that should cause us concern? Yeah, I think it is. That, I don't know if you remember the first slide, the very first, well, the third slide where it showed the operating numbers and they gradually are increasing. So it, it's really just last year to this year. Okay. And it's also, it's a function of funding but also a function of needs as well, which drives that percentage. And needs are continuing to go up across the state where, and probably at a greater rate than our funding is actually going up. So that is part of the issue that we have. 1887, as a reminder, only provided capital funding. It did not provide any additional operating funds. Is that the area in the green on that slide? Yeah, that, that was actually a capital slide. Yeah, that was a capital slide. But I agree with the director that uh, long-term operating will become an issue. We, longer term, it's going to be difficult to maintain that 20%. That's, that's mean, the point that the directors make. The concern is that operating revenue, and I only have a, a small universe to look at, being WMATA, and Mr. Dykewell knows that's been the thorn in its side, that, that covering that operating deficit is without maintaining the maintenance. Well, and keep in mind as well, the way we, um, with WMATA, the local jurisdictions are actually the ones that provide the operating subsidies. We match them. Yeah. So, you know, they're on the hook for whatever we're not putting into it. So. As a general comment on projections, though, uh, it seems a good news out of the state in terms of revenues going up, not translating so much into transportation because Ours is linked to uh, fuel taxes. They have not been going up. Uh, uh, but those other areas of transportation, 
that uh, the multi-pronged cabin going up transit has got some good news lately uh, because of the recommendation taxes. So general fund revenues are increasing, but, but our revenues here are still flat. And in the short term, we were actually advising transit agencies around the state to expect a 10% reduction in the amount of state funds or the operating funds they received this year because of the negative-looking revenue forecast that we had back in December. Since then, we've actually advised them that there is going to be a reduction, but it's not going to be close to the 10%, probably more like a 3 3.5% decline from what they received last year. So we wanted to make sure that the transit system has been able to budget for that accordingly because it obviously affects um, what they're going to have to provide from the local side. Uh, on the fuel taxes, I think this came out since the last time, last time we met, uh, there is a floor on the statewide level uh, in terms of the price of gallon, not at the regional levels. Uh, and here in Hampton Roads, a greater percentage of its revenues comes from fuel taxes as compared to rural Virginia. So it's actually decreased at a greater rate across the state. That's one of the things I'm sure we'll look at next year with others as to how to fix that. Mr. Chairman, uh, recognizing that, uh, and I was going to ask John this, but now that you brought it up, it was on my mind. What, what In the six-year program for revenue projections, have we projected it out at the at the floor amount? The floor amount, yes. So, so um, and obviously that's subject to I mean, nobody can, nobody can tell you what the price of gas is going to be six months from now, much less six years. But um, so that, that's why we, that, that, that will, is a variable that we've estimated at its lowest amount. Lowest would be for that floor. Now, the regional revenues, we've had to estimate lower because there is a floor. No floor, right. No floor. But statewide, we've assumed Now, of course, we could get an increase, and we've seen a little bit of that in usage, which will help. Yeah, you know, more gallons purchased, but at the, we, we pretty much assume the floor. And you talk to our uh, the, uh, the experts, you know, Mr. Malden is in this business and others, uh, they're not projecting that to increase any time soon. <coughs> Secretary, um, what are the chances are of putting the floor in the regional funds? Uh, I think uh, I saw some of the comments from the reporting. I think uh, now the chairman and Ron Baldwin of transportation said that, that he was in favor of doing something and that trying to rectify that. Um, I think uh, it's something I don't think we haven't uh, developed our policy, but I don't think we would be supportive of that. Uh, but I do think it's, it has its politics. I mean, it was uh, the prices of gasoline were very high, and you set a floor. You know, that you know, now if you set a pool that's higher than the price, I mean, you've got to say there are some political dynamics. There might be some other ways how to do it uh, in that, but uh, I do think that that is something that will be looked at, whether or not it passes or not. It will be after the election, so uh, it could, could have a possibility. I think there's a need. No one intended it from what I've spoken to. They always thought it was for but uh, the law didn't read that. Let me ask you even a more difficult question. What would be the chances of indexing the gas tax to maintain a consistent stream of revenue? At the, at the state level? I think the answer would be it's already been indexed. It being a wholesale uh, price of gas tax. 
Now, the indexing goes up and down. No, I don't think anticipating the gasoline price to fall as precipitously. But that was the idea behind making it not a cent per gallon, but a person, you know, a percentage per gallon. But as the price went up, our taxes would go up. Fortunately, half of it's twice the opposite. Well, what would happen if the volume goes down? Our revenue should do we index the revenue stream to adjust for those type of variations? And I would say again, the answer is they've already indexed it. You know, I can't answer what you say. I don't think there's any political advice that's going to be any dealing with revenues in the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, for a while. I, mean, I can't answer for uh, these legislatures, but just based on what it took. You know, it took so long to get the last one in, and I. There are other measures besides the, the, the sales, the uh, gasoline uh, wholesale prices, sales taxes, and others are in. Um, but um, I think there was, uh, I, I don't think anybody saw the precipitous price of gasoline. But the federals are not indexed, right? No, federals are not indexed. Like some of the things we've talked about is whether the index is three cents per gallon. Uh, I know North Carolina is still on a cent per gallon. I think they're up to close to 40 cents a gallon now on their taxes. Uh, and, uh, I think I last saw them. I did something a few months ago. I think they were over 52. They were twice what we were before we did the index. They were like 38 and we were 17. Uh, so um, uh, the feds could do that. Uh, but uh, that's the good news about what Virginia did in the multi-path. There's not a single bullet. Theory is that we do have other taxes that are coming in, like sales tax, we get a percentage of recreation tax, insurance tax, and Yeah, Mr. Secretary, I would agree, especially in rail and transit, we have a lot of different funding sources. We have vehicle rental tax, recreation tax, and a lot of retail sales tax, so it's, as well as getting some of the, the fuel related taxes. Uh, the last few items here are, uh, you know, we got to complete our, administ our ad internal administrative budget, which comes off the top of the funds in the program. We set it at 3.5% in the draft program. Um, also, we're going to have, uh, for transit, we're going to have a five-year projection of our capital needs, and we're going to actually apply the available funding to that. Um, it just wasn't ready for the draft program, but um, it's, it's not actual allocations, it's it's sort of projected uh, funding availability compared to needs. So when we get to the final program, we'll have that schedule. Hopefully, I'm hoping by uh, the end of April, we'll have that. And then also, uh, some of the rail projects, we're still doing some work on some of the cost-benefit work uh, related to those projects uh, under the review process. And this last slide is really just a, a listing of all the uh, upcoming hearings that we've been talking about, uh, the location, dates, and time of those hearings. Um, and that's the end of my presentation. I'll gladly take any questions. Questions, uh, Mr. Chairman, with regard to the hearing schedule, uh, again, make sure I understand. Uh, today, our districts uh, see for the first time the draft. Is that correct? I think that's correct for me. Yeah, they've been involved in the input for the first time. Right. Seen what they're and so at our hearings, uh, the underlying purpose of this 
spring hearing to me seems to be more of a opportunity for the state to explain and talk about the program more so than to hear about from our districts new programs that they need. That, that, that is true because any of those new programs will have to go to They're not going to be in there. And, and I think it's important that, uh, that that our districts all understand that that's what's going to be taking place here. But don't expect a whole lot of changes to this from what we hear uh, in in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, now there are some discretionary things that can be done in safety and in, in those programs, but yes, any new projects can be through house bill. That doesn't mean we wouldn't want to hear about them, but if we want to can't take action. Exactly. Mr. Chairman, yes, hey, Mr. Chairman and Mr. Woods, I think something else would be very helpful at these upcoming hearings is for the locals to talk directly to the secretary as well as the board members about any you know suggestions, concerns, or things they like in the draft HB2 process. And so we're really hoping we can get folks to come and provide that direct input. Um, you know, to the right, but that's not going to really affect this. No, no, that's, you're right. But we will use the opportunities if we're going to be there to also <laughs> listen to those types of things. So, uh, but no, that's why this year, and I think Mr. Lawson started off saying that this is really a continuation of last year's six-year plan. Some will a little bit of trans, uh, transition in the House Bill 2, but next year, you, I would suspect you'll see I say radical, significant changes to because you'll be putting on these projects. And I've got a few announcements I'm going to make uh, in, in, in the action items that could potentially affect that uh, uh, as we go out also in that regard. Any other things, Mr. Pitt? Okay, thank you, Mr. Pitter. Uh, I think that is the conclusion of our workshop agenda. Uh, uh, I do have some announcements. I think they're better made under new business uh, in the action items. There will be no action required, but I wanted the CPP to be in formal sessions. Uh, not a number of notifications when I do that. So I'm going to adjourn the workshop session now, and we will move into our uh, formal session. Uh, we haven't done today because of uh, continuation, so I'd like to start the meeting if everybody would rise with the Pledge of Allegiance. Do that, please. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. So that's bring uh, our formal session uh, to order. First, the order of business is uh, public comment. Um, I don't think we have anybody signed up, but is there anybody who would like to address the Transportation Board before we forget our formal session? Okay, seeing none, uh, then we'll move on to the formal action items. Uh, first is the approval of the March 18th minutes. It's been distributed. Is there a motion? Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Minutes are approved. Uh, first, uh, next is, I guess, we have Mr. Walton. I'm sorry, Mr. Gretz. Excuse me, I missed one. Uh, Kevin, please come up. Uh, sorry, Rick, I'll get to you in a few minutes. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Um, I just have one item for you this morning. It's an abandonment of a 
in the Richmond District, Nottoway County, uh, a previously discontinued section of Route 460, uh, hundreds of a mile, about 53 feet, um, but it's been um, requested by a landowner, um, have a resolution by the Nottoway County Board of Supervisors. Uh, there was no, no public comment request for a public hearing. Uh, VDOT recommends the board approve the abandonment of this one hundredth of a mile segment of old Route 460. Move approval of the resolution. Is there a second? Second. Discuss them. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. Mr. Johnson, will you take that action? Thank you. All right. Um, next, we have Mr. Walton. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. Uh, items two and three are just routine conveyances to local governments, one to the uh, city of Virginia Beach, other to the city of Newport News, and I would ask for your approval. Let's take them individually. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Mullins, I'm the first one on the conveyance in Virginia. I move for approval. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. Uh, now the conveyance in New Purdue. I move for approval. Is there second. a second? Second by Mr. Williams. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any aye. opposed? Thank you, sir. Mr. Walton. Good morning, Mr. Secretary, members of the board. I have two items for you today. The first is our regular monthly transfers um, from completed or canceled projects to underway and completed projects. I recommend your approval. Uh, this is on the issue approval transfer. Is there a motion? So moved. Second. 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 It's pretty much pretty much administrative transfer. Uh, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. opposed? The second item is an amendment of five projects to the six-year improvement program. Three of these projects are funded by uh, Northern Virginia Transportation Authority funds. Uh, one project is a ferry boat discretionary grant for the replacement of the engine on the Pocahontas Ferry. And the last project is a safety project in Bristol. I recommend your approval. Is there a motion? Motion. Mr. Rosensky, second? Second. Mr. Dyke, any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, Ms. Brock. Thank you. Pass. Right. Mr. Walton's back up. <laughs> uh, Mr. Chairman, the next item is a location decision in Powhatan County. It's a uh, parallel road to Route 60. It's on a new location. Uh, the board by statute is required to approve a uh, new location. Uh, so we would ask your approval. So move, Mr. Chairman. Move for a second. Second. Uh, any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Walton. Mr. Gould. Good morning, Mr. Chairman and members of the board. I have one action item for you today, and that's a revenue sharing transfer in Iloite County. Uh, the county requested the transfer of residual revenue sharing funds from four completed projects to a project that's currently in their six secondary six-year plan and is not funded, uh, the transfer will allow that project to go to advertisement in fiscal year 16. And we recommend your approval. And this will all second. 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 Discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you, Mr. Walsh. Mr. Chairman, members of the board, uh, last month we shared with you a, a resolution to advance 
uh, funding from the total facility revolving account to the inside the Beltway project. Um, the resolution you have before you is to advance $5 million from the total facility revolving account to support the, uh, the development of the uh, inside the Beltway, 66 Beltway project um, to carry the project through to, um, to procurement. So this is planning, uh, of course, the board will be in front of them as to approve the procurement. Absolutely. So this is uh, just getting that ball rolling inside the building. So much. Cash for approval. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion? All, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Uh, let's see here. I want to make a comment here. We're going to talk later, but 66 will be a big topic of discussion at the May meeting. We'll be briefing the board on a recommended uh, uh, procurement uh, method and, and sort of a better scope of the project. Okay. So just one of what you will be in Northern Virginia then. That would be uh, a good place to uh, actually get a chance to see some of uh, the project while we're up here. Chairman, uh, I could also remind the board that you have to think of 66 as two components. It's the inside the beltway, which we've just acted on for initial funds, but then there's the outside the beltway, much larger projects. So don't don't think they're they're integrated eventually down the road, but right now they're two separate components of the solving a major problem. Yes, and there uh, could be different procurements, just depending sure. on that. That's what we're working through to make a recommendation. <coughs> I want to make uh, it really clear, uh, this is where things come up at the Congressional meeting yesterday. There's no fait accompli on this. PDOT has just started doing its public hearings, uh, and uh, we haven't reviewed. But I've asked the members of Northern Virginia if they please all separately in unison call Congressman uh, Connolly. To make sure that he is briefed appropriately on that. I will do the same. We're, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's see. I don't see Mr. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to go I'll come back to number eight. Let's go to number uh, nine. Excuse me, number ten. Uh, give Mr. Wall. Mr. Chairman, uh, the next item is a uh, authorization from the board to the commissioner. Uh, to enter into an interim project agreement with the Hampton Roads Transportation Accountability Commission. As you'll recall, in January, the board authorized the commissioner to enter into three interim project agreements for uh, the high rise bridge, the third crossing, and for um, uh, 64264 interchange. Uh, the one before you today is an interim project agreement. It's uh, in anticipation of HR TAC at its meeting tomorrow. Uh, authorizing uh, the funding for the plumbing engineering for segment two of Interstate 64, <coughs> which goes from uh, exit, I believe it's 247 to 242. Uh, and so with that, I would ask for your approval. Is there a motion? Approval. Second. 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 <coughs> Any discussion? This is uh, a good working relationship. Mr. Walton has worked closely with HR PAC. I assume this will be a, a other type of more to come as we enter into other agreements. This is the way it's supposed to work. Be not acting as the contractor uh, of these programs in their markets. Okay, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed. Thank you very much, Mr. Walters. Mr. I think um, if he's not here, Steve, do you mind just running through the next item very quickly? Or action on the rail industrial access program? Yeah, and just as a 
Okay. <laughs> but just as a reminder, um, we went to the, we came to all of you back in January with some recommendations about revising our repayment policy with the Rail Industrial Access Program. Um, what we've done is we've been working with the Rail Committee of the CTB to actually review that program and um, review the overall goals and objectives of the program and also to um, talk a little bit about whether or not we need to make some changes to the structure. So first of all, I want to thank the Rail Committee for the work that you all have been doing and, and putting into this. Um, this is the resist resolution is actually this uh, sort of the result of the second phase of this review, which is to um, look at the overall program structure. So Jeremy, um, anything you want to add here about the resolution? Yes, just to say that we're reducing the performance period from three years. Did you go over the specifics? Not yet. Okay. That um, we'll be reducing the performance period from five to three years and that the grantees would have to achieve performance within one of those three years. Um, instead of having to achieve a specific carload target, which they provide us at application time, um, they would just need to achieve the threshold needed to get 50 points, which is what is required for us to recommend the application to the CCD. Um, we would also use that threshold for calculating the partial repayment instead of using their higher number. So they could come to us with a higher number, but we would evaluate them based on the threshold necessary for repayment. Um, the director will have authority to grant an additional three-year performance period, and that would involve evaluation of the mode split of truck versus rail that they use for shipping. So one of the things that will change at application time is we'll be asking for their forecasted use of truck versus rail, and then we will evaluate the actual split when we um, evaluate whether they deserve a second round of three-year performance time. Um, so I think that pretty much summarizes some of the changes. It, it basically gives us a little bit of flexibility um, to, to look at truck diversion, um, but also not hold them to a number that's too specific. So I think that's the major change. So, as you recall, this was the presentation we had before Christmas. There was uh, some issues uh, in regards of the scoring and uh, if people were actually tensed at a higher bar, met the minimum, but we were being penalized you know, for the higher bar. This is trying to make sure you meet the minimum uh, standards and giving some leeway. To, uh, now, I know Mr. Palin, uh, there was also those who needed to call back. I think we are still doing that on some. Yeah. We yeah. are still doing that on some. But this is trying to make it a more consistent uh, if it qualifies for the program. This also, we had a lot of good discussion in the rail committee about the objectives of this program as a transportation program, but also an economic development program, and, and wanting to make sure that the rules of the program and the application criteria reflect that. And so this actually provides. Um, I think it corrects for a few of the deficiencies that we found in the program upon the review in terms of shortening the performance period and also um, to allow for a review in three years instead of five years. Um, it gives us a little bit more discretion in deciding whether or not to claw back the funds um, based on our priorities essentially. And um, I think I actually feel comfortable that the, this will also make the program more attractive to potential um, users, which was one of the issues, was because of the clawback provisions we were seeing, that people weren't applying for the funds, and um, 
we want this to be a program that people can use. That's the purpose of it. I think that's an important point, is that there's been a cloud over the program, so applications have dropped off. But in the past, it's been an important program to business development on the short line railroads. So um, this will hopefully rejuvenate the program. Mr. Chairman. Uh, yes, Director Mitchell, can you tell us uh, who the roster is of CTV members on the rail committee? Oh, sure. It's um, Mr. Kasperwitz, Mr. Dyke, Mr. Rosen, and um, Ms. Valentine as well. So. I would... Uh, we uh, have been discussing that, and I do believe the real committee needs to be a, a little more open and active, and this committee yeah. will be uh, putting some out there. But at the end of the day, they make recommendations. Yes. Yeah. You know, the CPD will actually improve the data. Yeah, the, the real focus after this is going to shift to the review of the Rail Enhancement Fund. And that's really, I mean, we've had a lot of good discussion about this program, which is actually in the big scheme of things, a relatively small program. The Rail Enhancement Fund is kind of our 800-pound gorilla, though. Um, and so that's where um, we're going to be turning to next. We'll be bringing back recommendations to the full CTV in October in anticipation of needing to provide something back to the legislature by November 15th. I know when we discussed it earlier, we had some folks that were here to address their concerns because they were on the hook for it. But uh, I know we discussed, not at length, but uh, briefly discussed uh, performance bonds. Where I know it's from. Did y'all discuss that in the real committee? And what was the yes, sir, culmination uh, of that discussion? Yes, uh, actually, Mr. Rosen's um, request. We went and called a couple of charity companies. They're not interested in bonding projects that have these kinds of performance criteria. So uh, it, it works for the VDOT program, but because ours has specific targets um, or thresholds now, they still are not interested in bonding projects. So the bonding companies have no interest in the right. market. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's always one that will bet on anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Real <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chairman, I, I, uh, it, it sounds to, to me as this, this uh, very adequately addresses the issues that, that came before us before. Question I have is: Does this uh, apply? Will apply to existing uh, participants or just to new ones? Really, to new ones. Um, it'll be reflected in the new grant agreements going forward. The changes we made to the repayment policy back in January is actually being applied retroactively to people that are already in the program. We, mm -hmm. we have gone through and amended all of their grant agreements to reflect that revised. But wasn't policy. there, uh, Carmuse, for instance, was not up? Yes, correct. So we took action on that. Pardon? Yeah, we took action on that. You did take action on that. You may not venture, but we, we did what they asked. Well, we actually have, they've, they're, um, I think at this point we'd recommend a no action because they're still in their retainer policy. Well, I mean, we took action, but we didn't say no action. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, we took action on what The action was to let them continue in their retainer period or in their performance. But when they come forward, will they have the same <laughs> opportunity as this for an extension if they've met these minimums? They're in their extension period right now. Uh, I guess, you know, um, when they come up, we could we could actually apply the same review criteria to the repayment of their loan if we need to. This, this topic, as you recall, we voted on these individuals. We voted on them individually. I, I don't think Carmoose is in their extension period yet. Yeah. 
they were one of the ones that we said we don't need to do anything with them right exactly. now. Exactly. Like exactly. Yeah. And my point, my question is, when that comes to be, will they then be given this consideration? My understanding is we'll start implementing this for all grantees. It's from a program perspective, treating everybody equally is the best scenario. So we'll start applying this to everybody in performance, and everybody will be going into a performance. So they are not complete with their performance period yet, which is why I think we took no action, because we really can't make a determination until we see the end of that period. But then we can apply this. So that was my original question, and they would be available to be considered. Yes. Thank Jeremy, yeah, somebody that was critical of this program and, and did not think we should be uh, extending deadlines, this to me is, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think that the real committee did a really good job on this. Um, so when, when they come to me, I'm going to be looking at this program and I'm going to see how many points you generated and what's the difference. That's right. <laughs> Just for one person. It was, it was a very subjective, objective measure, supposedly. To try to make it much more effective. Oh, so there's there a motion? So I'll move. I'll move. Okay, second. Is there one second? Any other discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Uh, aye. Any opposed? Thank you, Mr. Slatter. Thank you, sir. Uh, now, what we're bid is Mr. Moore here. I'll be afraid to tell going to do it, okay? Good morning again, Mr. Chairman, members of the board. Um, this morning we have um, just two projects from the March 25th letting uh, for your consideration this morning. Um, both of them in Northern Virginia, both of them are paving projects. Um, both have been evaluated by our construction division and both we feel represent good value. Um, the first one, um, order number 941 um, to Lane Corporation. And the second one is order number 942, also to uh, Virginia, Virginia Paving and Lane Construction. Motion. Uh, yes, uh, let me just point out that Lane is not affiliated with me. They misspelled your last name. They misspelled your last name anyway. I would mention here, I really have a motion. Let's just say, is there a second? Second. I would mention our discussion. Both are above our estimate. I quit the, the department office uh, during the preview, preview uh, and it's a uh, competitively bid. Uh, the, you know, paving is the one place where in some areas we just simply only have several people that are in that business. So I'm very comfortable that, that the department did it competitively uh, and uh, even though it's a little bit over the bid. All right, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay, thank you, Mr. Thank Brown. you, sir. Okay, I think that brings us uh, to new business. Before I get into a few announcements I have, I want to point out, I mentioned at the next meeting, we will talk about NSA 66. There is the Potomac River study of, of crossings that Mr. Donahue, the Office of Intermodal Planning, in that area will be presenting to the board, our, re our review of uh, capacity on those, uh, on those bridges. <coughs> I would point out that uh, Maryland owns those bridges. We do not. Uh, they own our way across. So uh, Virginia is not responsible for initiating construction, but on the other hand, it does impact our, our ways, uh, our, our throughput. And of course, uh, the ever-popular House Bill 2 methodology will be continuing on. So just give you a brief of what we're doing uh, next year. One thing that um, isn't on the list as well is we're going to be bringing back to you um, a re the results of a review that we've done on the um, by the 
TISDAC, the Transit Service Delivery Advisory Committee, on, this is um, on the allocation of transit funds, and this was a review that the CTB requested in December of 2013 um, to look at the way our funds are allocated to make sure there were no geographic, disproportionate geographic impacts. So we'll be meeting with the TISDAC next week and then bringing the results back to you for action um, in May as well. And also, I would expect uh, Mr. Wright and former member will brief you on each funeral to the news. We'll know about what's going on with Nevada and their executive service and new cars. We'll have some details to go with you on that. Again, we are in our local jurisdiction for the primary responsibility to bring support of them and bring the board up to date on what's going on. Okay, um, have several announcements on the new business. Please do not require action by the board, but certainly willing to listen to comments and get your, your, your comments as we uh, do for you. One of the uh, things that uh, Governor McCulloch has directed me to do is unlock Hampton Roads uh, in terms of its opportunities. That was uh, in all areas, particularly Hampton Roads. We uh, began with that with HR tax legislation, looking through that, and that seems to be signed a contract today. We left that story forward. We had a reward yesterday from the Port of Virginia. Uh, seems to be headed in the right direction. We've got a lot to do, but we do have a handle on where we're headed. Uh, both, both of those critical to just getting Hampton Roads moving, uh, moving forward, unlocking not only its transportation, but economic development potential. So I have several announcements today in that vein. The first one deals with the interstate, the interchange at Interstate 64 uh, and Route 13, uh, which is Northampton Boulevard. You probably have read that there has been some uh, discussion, I guess I'll use it lightly, discussion uh, between Norfolk and Virginia Beach about a proposed development. Uh, I'm not going to get into what is the right development, and that's, that's up to them, but I wrote both a letter, both the uh, city of Norfolk and the city of Virginia Beach, saying that transportation would not be an issue with that, that, that uh, with the intersection. That we would support, because of safety and reasons, whatever was finally developed and agreed upon between the two cities. And in both are statewide quarters of significance. Both Route 13, we accepted Baker's funnel and 64 coming in uh, 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 towards the beach. So uh, I will, uh, just informing the board, and probably got to stake you money, Mr. Otterback and Mr. Kilpatrick are working uh, on this now, that whatever is, uh, if there is a development built there, uh, that the state will support uh, the improvements to that interchange to make sure that development is, is done correctly. Um, so, um, uh, I do not want to see transportation used as a reason why our cities do not do something or not do something. Uh, it's consistent with what we said before. Uh, so, we will be letting them know that if the, uh, the development there is built, the state will provide the resources necessary to make the connection off to the state there appropriate for the travel in those quarters in that regard. I do believe, I'm a citizen of Virginia Beach and Hampton Roads, I am disappointed in some of the, uh, the discussions going on back and forth, but I won't get into that, but we will be providing what is necessary to make sure traffic flows through there correctly. Um, I do not think the Commonwealth is in the, the business of picking favorites or picking one development over another, but we are in the business of making sure the traffic flows through there correctly, and uh, we will be supporting that because of the interstate system tying in safety, because of potential backups on the interstate. 
So that's the first announcement. Yes, Mr. Lester. I'm not familiar with the development. I've read some of the newspaper about <coughs> the arguments or the discussion, heated discussion. Um, is, so is this a safety project or is this an access to development property project? It's more of getting access safety off the interstate. There is oh, a the potential for the interstate to back up where the proposed uh, on 13, where the proposed entrance would be. So there would be some necessary. We want to keep traffic flowing through there. I don't believe, quite frankly, I think there's a better solution, but we can't be prescriptive, prescriptive on what they do. We can only encourage. But we will make sure that, uh, to the extent we can, to make sure safety flows through there. So it's more to keep it from being disruptive than it is to create access. That's right. We're not creating access. We're keeping it from being disruptive. We're not creating access. That's it. We're not doing that. We're not in the business of providing that, but we are in the business of making sure those two quarters of statewide significance interchange between, between those flow correctly. I understand that. Thank yeah, you. So that's what we will be doing gotcha. in that. Thank you. Uh, so that's number one. I uh, just wanted to let the board know what was going on in that. Uh, number two, um, and uh, I mentioned it when I first came in this morning, that is uh, Light Rail in Virginia Beach, uh, HRT, Anthony Road Transit, is uh, now completing its um, uh, environmental work and the, uh, the beach will be deciding on uh, which uh, option it should select. Uh, the state has committed to $155 million uh, in that regard uh, in supporting the efforts to uh, the beach. Uh, they're also looking at how they're going to fund that uh, also. So um, what we'll be doing today is recommitting the $155 million. It has heretofore been contingent upon a 50% match uh, but the monies are already in the plan, so whatever the cost of the light rail is, the state will contribute $155 million. So that match may be a little more than 50%. In addition, we're making availability to them uh, up to $30 million in a Virginia Transportation Infrastructure Bank loan, should they ask for it. They haven't applied for it, but should they ask for it, uh, then we're willing to discuss with them in that regard. Uh, and third, uh, Ms. Mitchell's department has been working in conjunction about the feeder system. There could be grants available in support of the feeder system. I can't comment on the total cost of the project because we're not responsible, other than to say it continues to grow. Uh, and so I'm trying to put some certainty around the decision uh, at Virginia Beach, and they're making their decision uh, to extend. We believe this is a significant uh, transportation asset for the region. It's in the state's master plan, um, and uh, we believe it is the beginning of connectivity and mobility between major population centers. Uh, I can tell you this morning, uh, I've read about how oh, it doesn't reduce congestion. Uh, that's not the only reason we build projects. It's about connectivity and mobility. You could not get out of the beach this morning because of the tie-up on the 60 getting out. If you, if, if this really hit home to me. If we have a major incident in Virginia Beach, you cannot evacuate the ocean. Uh, so I'm not saying this is the total answer, but, but multimodal projects are, are key to this. We've done this in other regions. Uh, and uh, so I want to make clear, I'll be getting a letter to Virginia Beach clarifying what our financial position will be. No more impact to the six-year plan, uh, but one of them to have some surety uh, in the money that they determine not only extensions, but um, what will ultimately be the cost uh, to the city of Virginia Beach. 
And I think these, uh, besides the uh, 155 million, the addition of the 30 million in the Virginia Transportation Infrastructure Bank, low interest deferred payment loan, uh, and also uh, additional um, <coughs> grants that are possible looking at the feeder system, uh, that should substantially uh, put a debt into the cost as they make their decision. I will only point out that the original cost, when it was an unsolicited bid, was substantially lower than what has been reported to pay them. I don't know which one's right, but this should give some certainty to them. And they have a vote coming up before we meet again. I wanted the board to know uh, what was going on uh, with that. The final announcement I have to make deals with Route 460. Uh, and its impact only in the region, uh, but to the Commonwealth, it is a quarter statewide significance. Um, as you know, when we came into office, uh, <coughs> A supplemental environmental impact statement was already underway, started by the previous administration, uh, which basically voided the current contract in, in terms of being able to build until we got a permit on the road. I don't need to rehash all that. We stopped uh, payment uh, on, on the contract uh, until we got through a point where we knew uh, where we were heading with the project. And that really was the development. Uh, the next permit uh, or a permit for the project. We recently, I think I reported to the board a couple months ago that we had reached an agreement with the Army Corps of Engineers uh, with a permittable alternative. Still doesn't mean it's the exact road, but they had said because the wetland impact was, uh, was uh, acceptable to them and therefore uh, we did have a permittable project. And we continue in that process today working through uh, that as we work towards a permit. Again, I'll point out no decision has been made as to whether or not uh, we would uh, build the road or moving towards the permit. But once we got to that decision, we were then able to go back to our contract, we were in a contract, to see if we could reach agreement as to uh, the monies that had been paid to them and what we thought the ultimately cost of the improvements would be. Um, those uh, uh, negotiations or discussions have been going on for the last 45 days or so, uh, and we have reached a point uh, where we do not think it's in the best interest of the Commonwealth uh, to continue uh, with the current contract uh, on that. And so just recently, just a few minutes ago, uh, with the support of the McCulloch administration, VDOT issued a letter, a notice to terminate its contract with 460 Mobility Partners on the Route 460 project. Now what this means is, is that, that we have a 60-day mediation or contract negotiations to settle up uh, with them. I will tell you the state's position that we are owed a great deal of money back. And we will do whatever steps are necessary to call that money back, get that back uh, in that. I can't tell you how much that would be. I don't know how much that would be. But we do believe that there was a payment schedule, not an earned revenue schedule, and we will be contesting the fact that many of those monies paid were, were, actual, were actually earned on the contract. I'm sure that uh, the other side will take a different <coughs> uh, of the contract. Nonetheless, the state will do whatever is at its, uh, uh, in its power uh, to uh, get that money this day and it is paid uh, for the contract that have not been earned. Mr. Allen is here from the Attorney General's office. They have been in briefings with us and have been in consultation as we move through this. Uh, I don't know where this is headed, but the state will do everything, use everything in its power 
to bring this contract to a conclusion um, and uh, get back what it believes substantial money <coughs> owed to it. I don't know where that's going in that. But that's the process that we'll be going down. Now, this does not mean the end of the project. As I said before, I don't know where we're headed with the project because we don't have a permit. So we will continue with getting the permit. But what it will do is it will change the procurement. This be a con so this project now will go to House Bill 2. So we will continue with the procure with the getting the permit on the project, uh, and then we will uh, come to have this project scored under House Bill 2. Uh, and then we'll determine if the project should be funded based on its merits uh, under the new laws that are in place. Uh, now, um, uh, I don't believe at this time that there should be any money. The recommendation is money transferred off the project. There remain substantial monies on the project um, that uh, may end up being available uh, for other household two projects. I don't know. But I don't think, just like we did on Route 29, moving any project, the money's off the project until we settle up and we know where we're headed with the project. Should that happen before the next six-year plan, we will come to you with recommendations for adjustments to this six-year plan with the monies in that. Now, we will, um, um, I, I do believe that uh, this we will follow also House Bill 1887 um, uh, or 86, which requires that a new procurement uh, will go forward, and the board will be part of that uh, procurement in that. So, that's uh, uh, where we're headed. Uh, this will now free us up. We will settle up the bonds. I'll make it clear the bonds will be paid for the full. There is no penalty, no repayment, but they must be paid uh, to the money that earned interest earned. So we will settle that up. Uh, that's over the next uh, month. Those bills have already started in motion. Uh, we will then uh, begin mediation or negotiation with our contractor. I will report back to the board where they, they end up, um, and then we will determine what our next steps are after that. So that is the, the update where we're headed. As we uh, uh, pointed out, we do believe in the purpose and need of the project. Um, uh, and so that's why we're we'll continuing on, uh, based on everything we heard about the port and getting access out trucks and all that. But we also uh, believe it should go through House Bill 2 once we reach the point where we know what exactly the road will be. Right now, I don't know how we potentially score it because we don't know exactly if it's, you know, if it's what a permit is. I think we should know that by the end of this year. And we should probably have more uh, details on where we end up in our, in our negotiations or settlement of the other contract. Um, I believe this is a very, it is the cleanest way to settle up the bond in that. And unfortunately, uh, I think uh, we have reached the point where it's no longer uh, the state's best interest to negotiate with the current contract. And in that point, we're just uh, too far apart as to where we believe what the state does. And so we will go through whatever opportunity we have to do that. So, that's the announcements that I have. Uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions of the board, keep you involved as to, as to where we're going. Um, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have uh, uh, more news as this unfolds over the next uh, couple of weeks.
But with that, I'll throw it open to, uh, to questions or discussion. Okay, uh, well, there's really none. Uh, I would point out that I know some of you have conflicts, uh, professional conflicts with some of the parties, and that's why I chose, uh, you know, stewarding this. Uh, not trying to keep you guys out, but I do know there's some conflicts in here, and uh, honoring those who didn't want to get in, because I don't know where we're headed with this in particular. So, that's where we're going uh, with these announcements. I uh, wanted the board to be up to speed. I'm happy to discuss this with you uh, in, in this or other if the best unfold. Okay, well, uh, I appreciate everybody being here today, and unless uh, there any other thing to come before the board today. All right, with that, we will adjourn. Thank you very much for all coming.